You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. I sure enjoy it when folks have got things on their minds they love to share and express and thank the Lord for, and it makes me think I don't even need to preach, but I will anyway. Um, as a matter of fact, you've kind of stolen my sermon today. Um, you've you've made me thankful that that uh, <clears throat> I'm preaching to the choir about the things that uh, I have on my heart this morning from the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew. Of course, what we have before us this morning is the classic parable that Jesus told about the, par- the talents and using the talents until Christ returns. And as I listened to the different ones speak, and it made me thankful that, that, that we are trying to use the opportunities and the abilities that God gives us in, in His service along the way. For indeed, if you'll consider the context, the same, of course, as that of which we spoke last Sunday. Uh, the context is the watching and waiting for the coming of the kingdom. Um, I'll just uh, go back to the 24th chapter for uh, a moment here. He says, verse 36 of Matthew 24, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my my Father only. And then he ends with that same thought when he says uh, at the end of the 25th, in the 25th chapter, at the end of the parable of of the virgins, Watch therefore, verse 13, For you know not, you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And then, this other parable. The parable of, of the ten virgins is, is a parable to challenge us to be ever watchful and waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For indeed, Jesus Christ is coming again. This next parable is a little more in depth on what are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting. What do we do while we're waiting? Jesus is coming again. The, 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 those who are wise are going to meet Him at His return. They're going to meet Him with their lamps trimmed and full of oil and ready to go into the marriage supper. The foolish are going to think, well, it won't be today, probably won't be tomorrow. I can be a little bit lax. And as he said in the verses leading up to that, they begin to eat uh, and drink with the drunkards and and party and, and begin to smite their fellow servants. They begin to live carelessly. And without thought to, to the glory of God and the, and the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again to receive His people to Himself. So He is coming. What are we to be doing? Let's, let's read the passage here in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Again He says, 
The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. You ought therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have had my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, give it unto him which has ten talents, for unto everyone that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know this speaks particularly to the second coming of Christ. From verse 31, immediately, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and the nation shall be gathered before Him and so forth. Now, Here is a great parable before us for us to give serious and sober consideration to. You know, it's important, I think, that he says here that he went on a long journey. And they knew that he was on a long journey. This parable is introduced in in Luke chapter 19. There's a variation of the parable. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus calls ten servants and gives them each a talent. And some of them use it well, others don't. But I want to notice how how that began in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, look at verse 11. It's the same, it's a variation of the same parable, a variation of the same thought. As they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Because 
He was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of heaven should immediately appear. Now, I'd like to contrast that with a verse in Matthew chapter 24. And right before uh, the parable of the ten virgins, look at verse 34, Matthew 24, 34. Therefore I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now obviously, Matthew's record of this sermon and Luke's uh, are of two different things. I, I told Brother Lewis last Sunday that he was going to have to preach twice on one day and it's okay to preach the same sermon twice. Every preacher does it. Uh, Jesus did it. Undoubtedly, he preached the same thing over and over and over again. Everywhere he went, he preached the same things. He might vary it a little, make it one talent to ten or various amounts of talents to others. But I want you to notice the two very different prefaces to the same story. One says, This generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. And then in 19, Luke 19, he says, he spoke this parable because there were some who thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now, how do you reconcile those two, those two thoughts? Well, some people have a real hard time with that. I don't know if my mind's just simple or whatever. I don't have much trouble with that because of this. There's a technique in prophecy wherein every prophecy is spoken of. You go back and read the Old Testament and read about the prophecies. Read over there in the book of Joel, chapter 2. Every one of those prophecies are spoken of in terms of immediacy. This is something, look, this is about to happen. The day of the Lord is at hand. Jesus said, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. But notice the prophecy in Joel, of which it is said, the day of the Lord is at hand, Peter says on the day of Pentecost was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, 700 years later. Well, what's, what's the point? The point is this. The language of prophecy is always given a huge emphasis with the language of immediacy. You know, I was reading something, uh, reading C.S. Lewis this week, and he said something that really thrilled me. Uh, this is in his book, Mere Christianity. And he was talking about the skeptics and how that they, they uh, question the existence of God on this basis. All right, they say, here's what the skeptic says. That here are these, here are a million people on the earth in a particular day praying to God. Now, how in the world could there be any being who could assimilate a, a million prayers in a day? Ha, we got you there. Who could, who could, who could, well, of course, we could just brush that off, actually, as saying, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever. He is pleased. But C.S. Lewis thought a little deeper and uh, whatever. He says, he says, our problem with such things is we're, we're limited to time. It's, uh, you know, it's 11.30 on November the 23rd. And I've got this one hour block of time in which to deliver a message. And I'm bound by time. I can't do but one thing. I can't preach but one message in that hour. I can't follow but one chain of thought in that hour. And I can't, I can't do anything else. That hour is devoted to that. 
But you know, the reason is because I live in time and God doesn't. God is not blocked by time. And so it is said with God that with God, a thousand years is as a day and a day is like a thousand years. Well, you know, I could assimilate a million prayers if I was given a thousand years to do it. I could probably sort through a million prayers if I was given a thousand years. But see, I'm I'm limited to time. God is not limited to time. So these time statements here are here to show us something. Number one, in, in, uh, in Matthew, this generation shall not pass away till all these things will be fulfilled. Now, of course, obviously there's something here of the dual fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus was not only speaking of His second coming, but He's also speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the destruction of the Jews. He's speaking of two events. One of them, of course, did not take place until this generation be uh, passed, until this generation pass away. All these things will be fulfilled before this generation passes away. But also that is, that language is language of immediacy which tells us this. Listen, my friends, Jesus Christ is coming again. Say you, when will it be? I say, I do not know when Jesus is coming again. But I do know this. He's coming. And you and I are called upon not only to watch and wait. That's the, that's the uh, message of the, of the ten virgins. Not only to watch and wait and be ready. But the message of the, of the parables is to be working till He comes. You know, there are probably some places that you'd rather be and doing some things you'd rather be doing when Jesus comes again, wouldn't you? I mean, it would be great if Jesus were to come right now. We're all sitting in church, dressed up, ready to go. But but what about, you know, when you're maybe not in such a, a flattering situation? Um, maybe you're chewing your kids out or... And all of a sudden you hear the trumpet blow. Well, you know, your kids need chewing out along the way. And there's nothing wrong with chewing out your kids. But, uh, you know, there's some things you'd probably rather be doing. Well, in the kingdom of God, listen, don't you want to be found in the yoke when Jesus comes again? Don't you want to be found pulling the load, working in the kingdom, doing the will of God, serving God, loving God, filled with God's Spirit? When Jesus comes again, you'll be doing something when He comes. Oh, what a blessing it would be to be found faithful. You know, I, when Sister Nell said 15 years ago, I marveled 15 years since we stood up here. Is it today? Today's anniversary? Happy anniversary. Um, and it just, you know, I kind of click off in my mind. It's, it was just yesterday. 15, 15 years have gone by. And, and Sister Renee about the same time. And others, you know, coming, going, and serving the Lord. How, how I love the steadfastness of God's people. Listen, my friends, we must be steadfast. We must be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding of the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, Matthew 24 says, This generation shall not pass away, all these things be fulfilled. But Luke starts off with... I'm, talk, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this parable because some of you think that the kingdom of God is about to immediately appear. Now, the point of that is this. Jesus knew that by man's frame of reference, 
he was going on a long journey. From man's point of view, from man's perspective, Jesus Christ has been gone back into the heavens for 2,000 years. That is a long time. You know, I was telling the kids in devotion school this week that from the time you flip the page in Genesis, the last chapter in Genesis over the first chapter in Exodus, 300 years are gone. The children of Israel spent 400 years in Egypt. And, you know, to try to put that in perspective, I, I told them 400 years ago, the, the, uh, the settlers hadn't even landed in Jamestown 400 years ago. Think of what's happened in 400 years. It doesn't look like a long time, but think about that it is a long time. You see, we're bound by time. And on the basis of time, Jesus Christ has been gone a long time. 2,000 years. Now, actually, in God's time, He just left the day before yesterday, right? A thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. He just left the day before yesterday. Don't, don't be impatient. He's coming again. But from our perspective, it's 2,000 years. Jesus said, I'm talking to you about this parable on the basis of some thinking that the kingdom of heaven is to immediately appear. It is not. The fullness of the kingdom, I don't have time to get into this. I I've, I've did a whole series on the kingdom. Mercy. Seems like yesterday, probably four or five years ago. I don't, I don't even remember now, but... You know, to show that the kingdom of God is a present reality, but it also is a bright and a future prospect. The fullness of the kingdom, the completion of the kingdom, will not be until the Lord Jesus Christ comes to this earth when the king returns. So he's gone to a long journey and he's gone a long time. Ah, he's still gone. And here you and I are. How, how is your lamp? What are you doing? What am I doing with the talents that God has given to me? Interesting word, talents. Um, it's just a it's just a monetary designation. It represented about oh, in today's money, probably a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. It's some substantial money. Um, but to us, the word talent has doesn't has any has anything to do with money. We think of talent as abilities which in the providence of God, that's exactly what he's talking about here. God has given to each one of us abilities and gifts. And Brother Zach, I always remember his, he's got a famous sermon on, on talents, in which he emphasizes the idea that, that this is talking about opportunities. Now, every one of us has abilities and gifts and opportunities. I really appreciate Sister Renee's comment that, you know, when you've got all these youngins, it kind of limits your social life. You know, you can't go and do and talk. You know, you're, you're focused. That's a nice way to put it. You're, you're focused. Um, and, you know, someone might say in that in that case, well, you know, I can't do much. I, you know, I've got all these kids. And, you know what? The fact of the matter is, and I've been, I've been thinking about this. And I think about this a lot. A whole lot. And frankly, I think every preacher ought to give a lot of thought to this. And that is a statement that Jesus made one time about the Pharisees. He says, you bind burdens on men that, that you yourself would not lift with one little finger. Bind burdens on men that are hard to be born. And you know, I stand before you as a preacher... 
and I'm supposed to preach to you the Word of God. And it's important, it's awfully important to me to not bind on you what God does not intend for you to bear. But it is also important for me to point you to what God does expect for you to bear and to do. And so what does what does the Lord require of you? And I thought about Lord Micah 6 8. He's shown the old man what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with thy God. Sister Renee, you can do that just as well today as you've ever done. It's just in a different frame. It's just in a different it's just in a different form. And how important that it is for us to serve God where we are, using our abilities, using our talents, our opportunities, our gifts, as God enables us. Well, of course, the whole point of this parable is this. One fellow says, he hasn't got much. He only got one talent. Another fellow got two. Another got five. And there's something in the Scriptures about the idea that that God gives to men severally as it pleases Him according to their abilities. I don't know exactly what all God's criterion are for His dispersal of, of talents and gifts and abilities or, or opportunities even, whatever. But, but I'm persuaded of this, that every one of us has them. You might not think that you have as many as someone else. And perhaps you might look with envy at someone else's abilities, someone else's um, opportunities, someone else's gifts. And, Paul, listen, think of this. Did you notice what caused the man to hide his talent in the earth? Did you notice that? I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear caused him to hide his talent in the earth. And, of course, the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is, God God has called us to serve Him with energy. He says in, in Luke, when He gave them the talents, He says, Occupy till I come. The word occupy simply means do business. And I think about, I thought about Brother Wallace's little slogan about being on business for God. And that's what God calls on you and me to be while we live here in this world, to be on business for God. Now with me, you know, it gets, it's, it's a little bit more of a, a public thing. I get to stand up before you and preach and talk about all these wonderful things and, and their sister and they. She's at home with all these youngins and, and, and other ladies and maybe men doing this or that or the other. But I'll tell you, I rejoice in this fact that the man who only received two talents got the same enthusiastic response when he had earned two more as the guy who did had five. It's not the amount, in other words. It's what you do with what you have. And every one of us has. If we've been born of the Spirit of God, if we belong to God, if we're the servants of God, every one of us has opportunities. Every one of us has abilities. Every one of us has gifts. Every one of us. We each have them. 
and God expects us to be using them, that's the point of this parable. And don't get lazy. The, the word here is you lazy and slowful servant. You should have at least put my money in the bank and drawn interest. That's the very least you could have done. You could have done that. You might not have been able to double what I gave you, but you could have had the good sense to put your money in the bank. And I always thought about this too. The man's description of God. He said, well, I knew you were a hard man. You're austere and, and uh, you're, the word hard means you're difficult. You're a difficult man. And, and uh, you're austere and you sow where you do not reap. Gather where you're not strong. And I've always marveled that when the Lord turned, came back, He agreed with him. He said, you condemned yourself out of your own mouth. You knew I was difficult to please. You knew I was an austere man. You know I was austere. There's, there's something about the character of God where he says, that, that's right, and you should have known to use what you had. Now, I, I wonder here if there's not something of a perspective in this. God appeared austere to the one who viewed God as austere. And perhaps God appears gracious, generous, and merciful to the person who perceives Him as such. And perhaps there's something so liberating about their view of God, how they view God. God's not one to, uh, certainly, He is not one to uh, be wishy-washy. He's definite. He's firm in His in His will and in His ways. There's no changing of God. But you see, when I'm serving God joyfully in His kingdom, then that's not His ruling attribute in my mind. Now, I would like to say a word about what God said to each of these, these people. There are some words that Jesus spoke in this parable that has got to be the sweetest words that any human being could ever, ever hear. And the most awful words that any human being could ever hear. He says to the, to the two who had used the abilities, the money, the talents, whatever it was, all of it, he says to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He says, You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Now, there's a particular application here at the return of Christ. There's, I'm not sure I understand exactly what all that means. But if, if, if indeed the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again and for a thousand years will establish His kingdom on the earth, somebody's got to run the show. And I believe that's who he's talking about here and when he's talking about here. But even if it was to apply some figurative way or some spiritualized way here in time, that he's telling us here that using our abilities, using our talents, increases our usefulness to God. It's like exercising the muscles. The more you do it, the more you, the more you have. So, you know, there's some words that I want to hear I want to hear from God. And I tell you, it makes me do things along the way 
that I might not do otherwise. It, it motivates. That's what this parable is designed to do, to motivate you. Because I want to hear those words from my Savior. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And then the words to the other, depart from me. However it was he says that there and that. Uh, take him, bind him. He says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, the, what follows in the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew is not part of the parable, but I, I, I want to say this this morning. The next thing here is the judgment scene of the great white throne, where the, the sheep are separated from the goats. And this has to relate to what Jesus has just said. He says to the sheep on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For, Okay. Now, a question might be asked. Well, what are my talents? What are my gifts? What are my opportunities? And how should I use them? Okay, here it is. Four. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they said, when did we do all that? Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. And so I want to point you to this great truth that all around you, every day in your life, in this church, and even outside this church, there are people who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are sick, who are downcast, who are troubled, who have difficulties of one form or another. And as you minister to them, you minister to Christ. And as you do that, you use your talent. We needed a washing machine. thought we did. There are a lot of people on this planet who live without a washing machine. Um, but I, I thought about what I, I'm pretty sure I told you about, the conversation I had with the, the pastor there at Nairobi. Something was said about washing clothes. And I, I said, well, it doesn't matter if I wash my clothes, take them home dirty or take them home clean. My wife's going to wash them when I get home anyway. And he looked at me kind of incredulously and says, you've got a washing machine in your house? I said, well, yes, I, I do. And I didn't want to tell him, so does everybody else. But, uh, you know, because I try real hard not to flaunt wealth to those people. But, you know, I I was made thankful that that I had my washing, that I had a washing machine. Actually, Kathy's probably gladder than I am, but I'm, I'm glad to have clean clothes all along the way. And God gives us opportunity to do things for others like build churches in Nairobi to to uh, take care of orphans in India. Those are those are some tangible ways that that can be done. But all around us, you know, who's hungrier, Sister Renee, than all those kids you got? I was hungry and you fed me. Um, Who's more in need than the, the sick around us? I appreciate Sister Nell's empathy with Sister Sharon, probably in a way that not many people can right at this moment. 
for what she has gone through and what she's about to go through. There are always these opportunities. They are all around us. So what would hinder you from from walking in that? The same thing as this other. I was afraid. And a wrong view of God. Or at least an austere view of God. I was afraid. And I noticed this verse in, in Revelation. Listen to this. This is scary. He says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now that's a pretty motley crew, but notice what it starts out with. The fearful. He puts the fearful in with the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers. Well, what if, what if I make an attempt and I'm not appreciated? What if, what if I don't get the right response that I wanted to have? What if, what if, what if, what happened to me last time might happen this time? Maybe somebody didn't appreciate me last time or, or whatever. I'm glad mothers don't quit feeding their kids because of their ingratitude. Because uh, a lot of kids would probably starve to death if, if mothers gave their benevolence based on their children's gratefulness or their husbands. Uh, I'm sorry to have to say that I don't always think about that as I ought to. But you know, fear is paralyzing. It makes me think, well, I, I can't do this. Somebody else could probably do a lot better than I could. And, and I, I can't write a card. I, I don't have, I'm not good at writing. And, and you know, I'm not, I can't call. I'm, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, I can't take a meal because, you know, I don't know what they like to eat. Well, you see, fear will paralyze you into inaction. And it will cause you to bury your talent in the earth every time. <clears throat> so that we want to hear these words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. All to hear those words. May God bless us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning for the teachings of Your Word that guides us into all truth. Our Heavenly Father, please forgive us of the many times that we have hidden our talents and neglected our opportunities. Lord, bless us to know that to do that forever and perpetually and habitually will mean to hear the words bind this unprofitable servant and cast him out. Father, help us to remember those words. You put them there for us, for us to remember and think about. The Lord, also help us to think about well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Father, we would, we would use the talents we would use the abilities, the gifts, the opportunities, the money, the time, and all the things that You've given to us. Lord, we would use them for Your praise and honor and glory. And I pray that You'd bless Sister Renee and, and others of these mothers who, who struggle every day with a bunch of young'uns to know that that is their calling right now, right here, right now, and to use their talents well in that. 
And for others, Lord, who are in different phases of life, the, the aged, the widows, to know that they also have much to give, much to do, and much faithfulness that is required of them. That they're not too old, they're not worthless. Indeed, there's a great worth in the aged saints who are faithful to you. Father, I pray that you bless this church as a whole to exhibit the character of these who use their talents well. So Lord, I would do as the Apostle Paul said of the church at Galatians, I think it was, present them as a chaste virgin to Christ. Lord, if we know our hearts at all, we, we long for the coming of Christ. Oh, how we rejoice in the thought that our Lord comes. And that you're going to come on your time and bless us, Lord, to be found waiting, watching, and now working in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also.